The gospel lesson today comes from John's gospel from the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. And you can follow along with me in your pew Bibles in the New Testament section on page 93. Let us listen for the word of God. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The word of the Lord. I will share that this has been a difficult sermon to write because there are so many things in the mix today. <clears throat> Today marks the 11th anniversary of my ordination to Ministry of Word and Sacrament, which makes this a time for celebration. This is also Memorial Day weekend, which makes it a time for solemn remembrances. And the church at large is, is observing Trinity Sunday, which is a time for praising Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, like we did with our first hymn. And this, this is my final Sunday with you. And so it is a time for farewells and endings that mark new beginnings. All week I've been humming the semisonic tune, Closing Time, which immortalizes the Seneca quote, Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. Indeed, the story of Nicodemus itself is about endings and beginnings and the ways that beginnings spring forth from what we are and who we encounter and how we are transformed 
in the process. So with all the competing claims on this day, I have taken the advice of my homiletics professor and I have stuck to the gospel. So let us pray. Gracious God, take the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and shape them to be acceptable in your sight. For you indeed are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who does God love? You might not have gotten a good glimpse of the magic box, but I will share with you what another one of my seminary professors liked. She was a die-hard fan of Touched by an Angel. <clears throat> you may remember the show, and if you're too young to remember the show, talk to someone else here. Someone will, will be able to tell you. I've caught a few episodes recently on late night TV. The theology is simple, and the message is the same, week in and week out. God has not forgotten you. God loves you. God is present with you in the depths of crisis, in the midst of brokenness, in the darkness of despair. God companions you. My professor was convinced that the whole world needed to hear this message on an endless loop, that we needed to hear this message on an endless loop. For like Bishop Curry, she believed that the power of love was the only thing that could transform the world. This is the message that we teach our children and that we need to teach each other and that we promise to teach the world that we are all God's creation and we are all beloved by God. We all need our turn at the mirror. Now John's Gospel today invites us into the story of Nicodemus as he's taking his turn. Now as a Pharisee, Nicodemus already practices deep obedience to the laws and ritual and worship of God. And he comes to Jesus under the cover of night. And he's cloaked by more than darkness. He's enfolded in his identity as a leader among leaders of the Judean elite who govern the Jewish people under sufferance from Rome. He begins the conversation by calling Jesus rabbi. This is transliterated Hebrew, which means my teacher. Not just teacher, but my teacher. He gives this pronouncement. We, meaning the Sanhedrin, have known that you have come from God. It seems that he and other members of the Sanhedrin have seen the signs and miracles that Jesus has been doing, and they understand that these could only be possible if Jesus is undergirded by the power of God. So Nicodemus has come like some sage elder, offering to extend the mantle of his respectability over Jesus. He invites Jesus, the Christ, into the existing order of religious being. Now I just imagine this conversation with kind of a long gap in it at this point, as that statement lies there on the table. 
I wonder if the tension between them mounted in that silence and how that silence would have stretched until Jesus responds to Nicodemus, listen, this is really important. No one can see the reign of God unless they are born again from above. Taking the most literal meaning of born again, Nicodemus starts with what he thinks will be an intellectual exchange. Here we go, he knows this. And with what sounds a little like snark, he replies, is it possible to go back into the womb and be born a second time? Jesus responds again, listen, this is really important. Unless one is born from water and spirit, one is unable to enter the reign of God. Even the deepest practitioner of godly obedience must be transformed to live the life of God's kingdom. Emmanuel Lardy writes, rebirth is a spiritual experience. It's available to all, but perhaps most needed by religious people who might think they don't need it. Confused by the idea that he should change, Nicodemus wonders aloud, how can this be? Now the story of Nicodemus comes to us through the polished lens of John's Gospel. It is written years after the crucifixion and resurrection, The witness comes to us after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and during a time when Jewish religious leaders are pushing Christ's followers out of the shelter of the synagogue. Now during Jesus' ministry, as in this early day of the church, among the most responsive followers have been those who are on the margins. Because the power of the gospel with its vision of God's kingdom and equity and justice hold great promise and appeal to those who are the least, the last, and the lost. The gospel speaks a word of liberation as Jesus preaches good news to the poor and release to the captives, sight to the blind, and freedom to the oppressed, and declares the coming of the year of the Lord's favor. The imagery and the theology have been honed by decades of communal practice and testimony. And so we hear Jesus speak to Nicodemus and the whole of the Jewish religious establishment with the voice of this community. We speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. Nicodemus does not yet understand that the gospel Jesus speaks is something for him, even though those on the margins could have schooled him a little. When we lose sight of the gospel ourselves, we too might look to the margins, to those who continue to find hope in the gospel's liberating word. Howard Thurman writes that Christianity, as it was born in the mind of this Jewish teacher and thinker, appears as a technique of survival for the oppressed, that it became through the intervening years a religion of the powerful and the dominant, 
used sometimes as an instrument of oppression, must not tempt us into believing that it was thus in the mind and life of Jesus. Whenever his spirit appears, the oppressed gather fresh courage. For God so loved the world, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, like our little ones today, I have heard the message of God's love from my childhood, and it is a familiar litany in my life. And this message of love and salvation, the one found in John 3.16, has even become a cultural icon. We can see them at football games, these sporting evangelists holding up their signs that read John 3.16. Or look at Tim Tebow's eye black that bears the citation. Or remember that the rainbow wig t-shirt wearing proselyte has even become a character on The Simpsons. Heck, I even have a t-shirt that's emblazoned, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Yet with all this, there are some days that I can scarcely understand the words. I lose sight, and perhaps we all lose sight of the power and the promise of this simple truth. Who does God love? God loves the whole of the cosmos, the entirety of creation, and God loves the particularity of its people, the least the last, the lost, you, me, and the Pharisee. Emmanuel Larty tells us that to be in tune with God's reign and presence, we all need a transformational overhaul of our traditional way of seeing and being, a transformation of our whole way of knowing and experiencing the world. So I would tell us that we have to look for teachers, maybe even rabbis. Week by week, we seek to share God's love in concrete ways by sharing table fellowship at dining room ministries, by tutoring children in Rochester city schools. Quarterly, we house the homeless, turning our education wing into places of hospitality for their stay. We provide groceries to neighbors in need, casseroles to those who are grieving, support to others during times of emotional upheaval. And it's my belief, my firm belief and experience, that wherever we seek to share God's love, we meet the ones who can teach us what that love is all about. Our teachers are the ones who understand the urgency and importance of the gospel. We can learn to guard the dignity of them. We can learn from their circumstances to let the substance of their lives transform our compassion into the headwaters of justice. We are all invited into God's reign to live as God's people, responding to God's love with love of our own. 
So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, a leader among the leaders of the Jewish people, a concrete practitioner of the law, a man of substance who won't even risk a daylight encounter with this itinerant preacher and worker of wonders. If this was all we knew about Nicodemus, it could be easy to dismiss him and his story as a backdrop on which John records this speech from Jesus. But we will meet Nicodemus again. In chapter 7, as the Pharisees seek to arrest Jesus, Nicodemus will be the one who calls for a hearing under the law, because from his position of power, he believes that the law he lives to uphold will be an impartial judge, or the one he calls teacher. Even as his Pharisaic associates dismiss the idea with derision and accuse him of being a Galilean and thus a partisan with Jesus. And finally, we meet Nicodemus at the foot of the cross. He and Joseph of Arimathea have removed Jesus' body and they are preparing it for burial. It's hard to hide a hundred pounds of burial spices. Here we see Nicodemus who is willing to become ritually unclean on the eve of the Passover to cut himself off from the year's most sacred observance as he cedes power and privilege and position and aligns himself in radical solidarity as a follower of Christ. And we might say that the old life is gone and a new life has begun. From vast privilege that is above the system to investment in the system to solidarity to those who are oppressed by the system. Nicodemus has been transformed by the spirit of God's love. God's love is the heart of John's gospel. That God's love is a love that is embodied in the life of the Son and comes to us revealed by the transforming power of God's spirit. This triune love is our invitation. It is an invitation to be made new and then to be sent out into the world to bear this powerful and pressing message. God loves you. And in God's reign, there is justice for all. Friends, the angelic voices echo the Lord who says, Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Perhaps we will join Isaiah in answering. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.